Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I am Fudafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudafan.com. And this is episode 57. How are you doing, Jacob? Gogatsubyo. Yeah, so. <laughs> You know, I, I just got back to work as well, and a lot of um, a lot of my colleagues are like, oh, yeah, how was your holiday, blah, 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 and, and I started telling them, I said, you know, well, in Japan, there's this, there's this uh, disease, mm. right, this sickness that goes around, and it happens at the beginning of every uh, May, actually, second week of May, to be precise. Exactly the day after Golden Week, yeah. Exactly, because... Um, Because we've all gone on holiday for a week, and now we're really, really ill. Because、uh, we don't want to go back to work. <laughs> and and and, that's and I think this year,、um, I think someone said it's seventy seven zero days until the next holiday. It's longer than usual, and so so people have been tweeting out of despair here in Japan. Well, it's in July.、Uh, it's July、uh, July eighteenth, I think. Yeah, Gogatsubio has been trending on Twitter. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, I think we we've got one July eighteenth, and then the, that's only one day, right? And then the next one is Silver Week in、um, September, which which、so. I think is also shorter than usual this, or more spread out than usual this year. Well, it's the Monday and the Friday, so we have to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, that's not actually too bad. In fact, that's probably preferred over some. Okay, yeah, something. Yeah, that's it's not terrible. It's not terrible, but if it was Friday and. Monday、mm. rather than Monday and Friday, that would have been nice. That's true. That's true.、Yeah. How's your How's your pen life been? Because you know we've not got a ton of news、um, on today's episode because I, I feel like it's been a little quiet just overall in the Japanese pen scene. Yeah, I agree. I haven't bought much recently. I'm been a bit disappointed as that we talk about the line or whatever about the lack of new releases from PenBBS and Moonman in particular because I think those, you know, for all the criticism, I think those are two of the brands that do most interesting stuff nowadays. And I would love to see a follow up to the T1. I would love to see another crazy filling system from PenBBS. But I understand that you know the lockdowns and supply chain. Worries makes it difficult for everyone, especially the Chinese manufacturers. Yeah, I've been meaning to buy some more of those carved nibs from PenBBS,、mm. but I, I I didn't even bother asking because I know they've been having a hard time.、It、just seems insensitive to to be like, oh hey, can I you know get some of your your carved nibs? When are you going to have them out again? When you know they're they're obviously struggling with very. Basic humanitarian things、mm. such as breathing fresh air. I think、uh, I think Bainy closed or like temporarily like shut down the the, the eBay store. Like removed all the listings and said that like, we'll come back later once the lockdown is over. Yeah, that that does make sense. But you know who knows when that's going to happen. I actually have a friend who lived in France for the past I think almost five years.、Mm. Um, but she's Japanese, so、uh, she she got hired by this company,、uh, I guess in China, and so she came back to Japan for for a few months, enjoyed Japan, and then was about to fly out to 
China to Shanghai for her new job. I think she flew into China. She flew into Shanghai like three days before the lock, or maybe maybe a week before the lockdown started. I know. But you have to quarantine in in China when when you arrive. Sure. So I think she quarantined for ten days, and then the lockdown started. So she hasn't seen like sunlight in, you know, two months now. And yeah, I, I do feel really bad for them. Like I understand where they're coming from. I understand why they want to have COVID zero, but I also think that at this point, like you, if you can pursue COVID zero if you decide to not have outside contact ever again. Right. Although even even、I'm, even North Korea is now getting. A lot of COVID cases, so I'm not even sure if it's yeah.、So. Yeah, and I mean, just just think about it, right? Like, if if other people, if other countries aren't pursuing COVID zero,、yeah. um, eventually, right? You <laughs> you're gonna have people with COVID. You're gonna interact with people with COVID. Yeah. Or may, maybe maybe not in China, but you know, Chinese people outside of China,、mm. and they'll go back, and then and then there'll be COVID again. So, I think yeah, it's it's it is really almost about the management, and I think since we've had the vaccines、mm. and boosters,、uh, I feel like it's much more about like the management of it. Yeah, in, in Japan, the the rule now seems to be that you know the the, the pressure on the the hospitals, how busy the hospitals are, there's certain threshold value. If it goes above that threshold, then they go back to a state of emergency or take other measures.、But、right. As long as under that that threshold, then it's more or less business as usual. Right, and you know, I I do feel really bad for for Benny and、uh, all those folks out there. Because this is like two months where they basically they don't make business, right? Yeah, that must must be terrible. And Bainey is a.、Uh, sh- I don't think she works for a company anymore. But she wasn't kind of like think, fashion influencer or something like that, right? I, I don't really know, but I, I, that's、yeah. the impression I got from her feed. I think she was like a perfume influencer,、mm. or she worked with brands to promote perfumes. But you know, can't go out to the store to buy perfume now, right? right. So,、um, I mean, it's even difficult to have shipping, right? In 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 China right now, because it's so strict. Like you know, people literally can't do anything、mm. unless you're a you're a you know, COVID tester. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's tough.、Uh, shipping is difficult difficult、yeah. everywhere now, but yeah, it seems to be particularly difficult in China right now. Yeah,、um, but on the other hand, on the flip side of the the COVID news, Japan is starting to think about relaxing their、um, their restrictions on inbound、um, inbound tourists. And when I say tourists, I I don't mean just you know business travelers who those have been allowed for for about a month or two、yeah. now,、um, but you know folks with tourist visas. So th- they're thinking of Starting to issue tourist visas, and usually, these、um, these so-called leaks are really controlled by the government. So, usually, what this <laughs> means is that they've they've made the decision to to you know relax the rules,
uh, first for for tour groups and then for individual tourists. So so they've made the decision. They've told the media they've made the decision, or they've quote unquote leaked to the media that they've made the decision, and um, and then now uh, we're gonna see if it you know fully happens. That they, they, they probably want to you know measure public sentiment, and then you know officially announce it probably in a week or two right yeah but the caveat here is that it could definitely change and if you remember like late last year i think it was like in october they're gonna they're gonna ease up a lot of the restrictions and then like one month later there was no complete shutdown again it's hard to predict what's going to happen because it's obviously a function of you know any new mutations and whatever so this assumes nothing bad happens really yeah, I mean, it assumes the the current trajectory, yeah. I would suppose, but um, obviously, if we have you know a spike of cases again, that wouldn't be the case. But I think yeah, it's it's definitely something hopeful. Yeah, and uh, you know what this means is that hopefully we're gonna get some uh, tourists, some inbound tourists, for tips. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the whole tourism industry in Japan has been has been uh, asking for that, and of course, a lot of the retailers and others have been hoping for tourists to come back. Uh, I mean, the retail stores we go to, they would mention that some some of the products that were that they expected to sell out in like days have been around for months, if not years, because the usual tourists did not come so yeah good news for for the penny industry and even you know when uh when you go to marazen it's actually pretty funny but there is a way to tell if the marazen uh, annual inks whether it's the original re- release mm. or the re-release right yeah. and the way that you tell this is by the shape of the sticker if it's in the diamond shape then that's the original mm. And then if it's a rectangular shape, then that's a re-release. You still have the original release of the Hayashi Rice. And not just a couple of bottles, right? Like rows and rows of the original release of the Hayashi Rice um, ink. I'm not sure if you can just blame the pandemic for that. No, 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 no. Because the color is not that great. I agree. But still, like there's quite a few more than than what I would have normally expected. Um, and I think they even still have original bottles of, of other inks too. Yeah, they still have the the Auzara, the, the light blue one from, from this spring. And, and then they have some of the reruns, I, I think. Uh, like usually the, the purple one is, is not very popular. The light brown, which I really like, the Fukuro one, if for some reason not popular, they usually have that one. And then that marine blue, which they do reruns of every once in a while, is still available, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, so there's that. But I think uh, one of the biggest challenges, and I've been suffering this as well, is that flight tickets are just through the roof. Um, I was talking to to one of my friends on, on Instagram, talking about coming out to tips. And he, he said that, you know, flying over, you know, albeit he likes to fly business class, but flying business over is $8,000, Jacob. That is pretty expensive. And that's, 
that's pretty wild. That that is pretty wild. Uh, and you know, I will be. I don't think I've announced this on the podcast yet, but I, I will be going to the DC and SF Pen shows this year. Um, also to see my family as well. So I'll be there for about a month. And let me tell you, tickets are crazy. The cheapest tickets that, that I could find were about $2,000. And, you know, I, obviously I'm bringing two people, so that's like 4000 right? So it's it's just wild, Jacob. The, the flight situation is wild. So probably this year we'll have more Asian... Um, Asian visitors rather than uh, rather than you know visitors out from from the U.S. But that's still better than nothing. But on the positive side, if people come here from the U.S. and go to the pen shows because the the yen is so ridiculously cheap right now, they're gonna have they're gonna have a lot of fun. They're gonna be able to buy a lot of stuff for their dollars. That's true. But assuming that it stays until what early november right yeah but there are some very powerful forces that are pushing the yen in that direction it, it's hard it's it's hard to reverse it. yeah so um anyways we'll we'll definitely see about that and we'll see about whether people are able to come back into japan i i sincerely hope so mm. i sincerely hope that um folks will be able to come back into to the country and you know we'll, we'll be able to have some semblance of more, I guess, quote unquote, normal life. But until then, it is going to be just, you know, us going around to different um, pen shops. And speaking of that, I did exactly just that because you remember last time we talked, I was actually in um, in Kurashiki. Mm. Uh, and so we, we stayed the, the, the night there. We went out back to, to Aoun the next day and then we went to Osaka for a few days I think this is actually quite interesting um, most of industry is in Tokyo right like a lot of businesses are headquartered in Tokyo I know mm. whenever um, in, in one of my previous companies we had Osaka customers and they would always complain oh you don't do any um, any activities in Osaka you don't come here for um for like uh you know customer events blah 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 so one thing that i did find quite interesting is that actually there seems to be almost even more pen shops in the kansai region versus versus um tokyo have you noticed that to be honest, I haven't been much to the Kansai region, and uh, I mean, and probably not even since my my Sendai days when I was traveling as a student. Mm. Um, but I, obviously, I know of the, the the big stores. I don't know as many stores as I know of, of Tokyo stores, only because I've been here much longer. I think Tokyo has more like the department stores, mm. whereas um, Kansai has like the the more regional stores, which I think that's probably why I find it more interesting. But you know, just to rattle off some names, you have Pen and Message. In in Kobe alone, you have three different Nagasawas. Mm. And they're, they're absolutely massive. And then you have a Nagasawa in Osaka. You have Pelopenna. You have Morita. You have Kaku. Um, all these smaller regional stores. Whereas if I think of Tokyo, you know, you have the big stores here, right? Maruzen and Itoya, yes, of course. But then when you think of the smaller stores, maybe it's um, it's 
Stas, it's Shosaikan, um, Bungabox, and that's that's almost pretty much it, isn't it? Oh, there's um there's um um there's a uh, Asahi as well, but otherwise there's there's not that many. Yeah, it depends on where you draw the line. If you include things like like Eurobox and Pen Cluster and that thing in that shop in Ueno right. that has like Yoshizu Kings and so on, so it, it's sort of at some point you need to say these are these qualify as stationary stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think Toma would probably qualify, but like the Ueno Bunguten, um, the, uh, or not Ueno Bunguten, one one of the it's um Okayama Bunguten, mm. which is not Okayama in in Toranomu, right. it's Okayama in Ueno. I, I think that probably wouldn't count. It's probably more of like an office mm. supply store. But um, but while I was there, I did find some interesting things, some things that I didn't know about. And I visited three different Nagasawa stores uh, while I was there. I visited Umeda. I visited um, Penden, which is in Sanomiya. That's the main... Um, shopping area in in Kobe mm. and then I went out to the Kobe Akarenga area the red brick mm. warehouse area and and they had one there and it was very interesting to see how different each of these were so um, I would say Umeda and Penden are definitely the places that if you're a specifically a fountain pen person would want to go um, Umeda especially they even have their own separate Instagram channel but they have a lot of exclusive they have the full lineup of inks and um, they had a lot of Nakayas actually too this store I found something quite interesting which I shared with you as well I found a scented sailor ink they had this ink which they called um they it was a sumi ink mm. which isn't actually real sumi it is still uh i believe it is still dye based ink but it's scented to smell like the um japanese chinese calligraphy uh ink so it's basically the same concept as those mita kuritake inks but it's not actually made by kuritake that's right and i was quite surprised it's called Boko mm. and I was surprised because I had actually never heard of this ink even though I had the Mita Kuretake ones mm. already I'd never really heard of um, of this ink and y- you found the link to it on Nagasawa's website and you shared it with me let me just um, share some highlights from this so um this boko was the first does it say um yeah nagasawa bungu center toshite hatsubai shita hajimete no original ink desu so this is if i'm reading this correct this is the first original ink from nagasawa bungu center that can't be right that doesn't mean nagasawa nagasawa as a whole it just means oh that yeah, shop yeah. maybe maybe i don't know yeah, it's 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 weird with with them, but let me tell you, this smells just like sumi ink. This this smells um, very strongly. I, I'd say it smells just as strongly as the the Mita Club ones. Mm. And interestingly, 
um, the Meta Club ones are somewhat waterproof. So I wrote uh, I wrote a few lines on some Tomoe River, and then I, I ran the faucet over mm. them. This ink is fairly waterproof, I would say. Nice. Did, did you see the photo that I sent you afterwards? Yeah, I don't have it in front of me right now, but yeah, I remember you, you sent that. And I think this is interesting because we have talked before about how while Sailor makes a lot of different ink for a lot of different uh, retailers, they tend to be a bit conservative in the sense that they don't do much in a way of uh, pigmented or iron gall or other interesting things like that. But here we have a scented ink from Sailor. Is that the first one we know of? That's the first one that I know of. Um, and and it seems like it's been around for for quite a few years, since two thousand eighteen, mm. actually. So I was actually surprised that I didn't know about this ink. But it's it's a black ink, though. Our community we don't usually pay too much attention to the black inks. I think <laughs> that is true. That is true. And, and I don't think they bring this ink over to the the pen shows mm. as much, probably because it's not. Uh, as strong of a seller, mm. but I did buy one. I think it's 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 fun. Yeah. So um, afterwards, I went to Penden, and Penden has more um, vintage pens. And I I really do have to pause here and say that the vintage selection at Penden, and they they have some at Umeda as well. It's it's quite impressive for a retail store that's not specialized in, you know, secondhand or vintage. But my goodness, the prices are rubbish. Like they're probably like fifty to eighty percent overpriced, um, based on the price tags that I saw. But it was it was insane. So these two probably, if you want to, you know, really focus on fountain pens, these two are the the ones to go. I would say the Akarenga one is not really worth it unless you're into the general stationery as well. So like um, stickers, notebooks, and all that stuff. Mm. There, there they have a, a lot of um, selection for that. And I, I did feel like it was more of a tourist-oriented um, store. Mm. Although it's it's a bit out there. But when you talk about vintage pens, I mean, if you look, talk about the stores in Tokyo, you have, for example, Eurobox and Pen Cluster. And Eurobox, <clears throat> I would say... Because and you, and to some extent it's also true with with Kingdom Note, but they have pens in all can all different conditions and ranging from somewhat boring standard editions to more exotic ones. And because of that, the prices are all over the place. While pen clusters seem to focus on some like really exotic pens that are like, uh, restored in pristine conditions with like size five kub- kubo nibs or whatever. So the prices are consistently. Hi, so so uh, would it be correct to say that pen then is more sort of in the pen cluster end of that spectrum? Well, that that's interesting because um, pen pen cluster has a lot of really cool stuff. I was there uh, actually last week, and I'll be there again today. Um, but yeah, as you rightly say, they're they're very high end. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a Mont Blanc that cost $9,000 mm. um, last time. Really cool thing, but not something that I can afford. Um, Eurobox has more varied condition, yeah. but 
you know, Fujisan is a very well-known restorer of pens. And usually everything there is in working condition. And, and he'll fix you up, right? If it doesn't work, he'll fix you up. But I would say that the prices at Eurobox is often comparable to what you find at Wagner, for example. So you know that the, you know that the pens are going to work, but you can find things like like relatively boring things like a Pilot Custom sixty seven for a reasonable price, right? While at I don't think you go to pen classes to buy a Custom sixty seven. No, and and Eurobox's prices are are. I think actually quite fair mm. for you know, the the stuff that they have. Penden was selling a pen with a cracked ink window for about double of what I would pay um, a pristine version of that pen. Oh wow! Okay, that's pretty bad. <laughs> it's 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 pretty bad. Yeah. So definitely some of the worst prices on vintage I've ever seen. But yeah. Uh, I, I definitely recommend checking out the stores uh, if you're there. Nagasawa is very, very cool. We, we skipped Pelopenna and, um, and Giftionary Delta uh, and, um, and Morita this time. Mm. But yeah, definitely a lot of um, smaller retailers out there. And I, I believe in Kyoto, there's also um, Kyoto Maruzen, which... Surprisingly, I've never been to, even though I've been to Kyoto so many times. Yeah, and I recently learned that Kyoto Marazen has its own limit, a Kyoto limited pen. I'm, That's in, right. I'm not sure if they still have it, but they did that in the past. Actually, there's a there's a Kyoto lemon and a, and a Nihonbashi lemon. Mm. So, hopefully, I'll be able to to go out there um, when I go to the Naniwa Pen Show, which is in. Um, which is in June. Oh, you're going there back for the pen show. So I, I asked um, I asked Alessa of Inky Rocks um, whether she wants to come with me. And, and I think I've convinced her, Jacob. You guys have too much free time. No, <laughs> no I don't think so. It's, it's like a day trip, you know, you go out there, it's like going to Yokohama. No, Yokohama is just like one hour away. It's different. Uh, you know, it's it's like two hours away. It's okay, but anyways, I, I think it'll be fun and uh, and it'll be a lot uh, of fun to talk about it on the podcast when we come back. Mm. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I didn't go quite as far as as you did over uh, Golden Week. You had you had Monday and Friday off as well. No, I actually just took the. I had oh yeah yeah I, I had Friday off. Um. Yeah, Friday and Monday off. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that's, that's different. Yeah, a lot of people did that. It was actually quite nice to work on Mondays, Monday and Friday because there was basically no one uh, in the office. And right. on Monday, on top of that, Hong Kong was off as well. So it was, it was so quiet, so peaceful. Um, but yeah, I only went to, I mean, to Yokohama, actually, with my son. And he always wants to go to Yokohama. He's more interested in how to get there than, and than the destination. He wants to take that S train to Yokohama. So we had to take the S train to Yokohama. Um, but what struck me about Yokohama, and maybe it was the same thing in, in, in Kansai, it was absolutely packed. I mean, pre-pandemic, these you know, tourist destinations were always packed during Golden Week. But it hasn't been the case for the last two years, I would say, not to the same extent. But when we came to Yokohama, 
and we went to like the Chinatown. It was like the whole, it was all like one giant cube, like a big jelly. Yeah. And and I, I took photos and I posted it on my stories and people asked, you know, is is this? I mean, is this still a pandemic over there? Is this okay? And uh, but uh, predictably, the uh, COVID numbers have gone up since Golden Week. So yeah, <laughs> it uh, it wasn't without problems. Um, but just a quick thing about Yokohama. So usually, as usual, I went to uh, Itoya in Yokohama, which is probably my favorite Itoya and one of my favorite overall pen stores because it's uh, it's more quiet and less crowded than the big one in Ginza and it's very stylish elegant and they got this cocktail Romeo cocktail ink bar so I went there and ordered some cocktail inks again and just like last time I, I always try to find out who makes these cocktail inks and I don't ask directly but I asked once again different person this time but I asked you know, are these sailor rings? And he said no. And he even went so far as to say that the maker is a Himitsu. That's so strange. Um, but yeah, that's I don't know. Like, I feel like it's yeah. That that's a, just a strange to me. That's that's wild. Um, yeah, I'm not not sure what what's going on there. But yeah, they really don't want to tell tell the customers where. Inks coming from. Yeah, I, it's not like I'm gonna go there <laughs> and get them to produce like a line of inks for me, right? Right, right. Maybe I am, but <laughs> that sounds like a possibility. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's what I I need to get down. There. Yeah, yeah you definitely should. Was uh, was Kobe just as as crowded during Golden Week? Well, I went to Universal Studio. Okay, well that that's the, you're asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to Universal Studio. Um, by the way, side note, the Mario Land, fantastically done. Um, we also did the Detective Conan um, event, which was which was very fun. The rest of Universal Studios, for me, was a little bit underwhelming. Um, but yeah, those those two definitely highlights. Anyways, so so yeah, it was, it was okay crowded. The, the trains were actually full. So yeah, there are still a lot of people... In Japan, they've just come out now because, you know, no foreigners. <laughs> Something. Actually, a lot of a lot of foreigners in um, in Kurashiki, a lot of uh, Thai, um, Vietnamese folks mm. out in Kurashiki. But yeah. Um, so I want to dedicate a little bit of time talking about this noodler's thing that's blown up uh, all over Reddit, all over social media now. Um, I don't think you've heard anything about this, right, Jacob? So, like a two, three days ago, a, a, a friend of ours sent me a link and asked me, you know, what's going on with, with noodlers? And the link was to uh, Gule Pen's post. And so I went to right. Google Pen's post and I really didn't understand what was going on. So and the, the text was context go to Noodle Sync. I went to Noodle Sync and I saw an apology. I still didn't quite understand what what really happened. So uh, whether or not this is justified, I I was a bit disappointed in how Google Pen's handled it because to me, just on the surface of it, just looking at right. those two posts. 
it looks like they are just like throwing a long time business partner under the bus and almost humiliating right. them in public and they didn't really do a good job explaining why they took such a drastic action. And this is actually exactly why I want to talk about this issue because this is a this is quite a serious issue. Um so for for many years now, mm. right? We've known that um the the guy behind Noodlers is a very political person, which there's nothing wrong with being a very political person. I'm a very political person as well. Um, but but he's a very political person. Um and he's been putting a lot of his politics on the ink labels. Mm. So um, we even saw that in 2019, Noodler's Ink became very popular in Hong Kong and Taiwan because they have a ink called um, Tiananmen, right. which has an image of Tank Man. Mm. So um, the Noodler's uh, owner, Nathan Tardif, has has a few more problematic stances, I would say. Um, so he is is very heavy into you know individual freedoms and, and stuff like that, which is which is fine. Um, but he put out uh, several very problematic inks, um, especially in the past few years. You know, inks such as uh, such as there's an ink called Rhino which is in protest of mask mandates. So he's kind of like an anti-masker. Mm. Um, and the the specific labels in, in this apology um, refer to two inks where he decided to put horns on um, these Jewish Federal Reserve leaders. Right. Now, I grew up in, in Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong does not have a large Jewish population. Apparently, horns on Jewish people have been a long-time trope. And as I've been reading, a lot of Jewish people apparently have been asked, hey, where are your horns? Which is, you know, that, that's dehumanizing. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's, you know, anti-Semitic. And... You know, when I was talking to Akane about it, um, she said, you know, I didn't know about this trope, mm. but I don't think it's a nice thing to put horns on people anyways, right? Which is kind of where I stand as well. But he his previous labels, I mean, I know he has strong opinions about like monetary and fiscal policy, and he has ink names and labels that reflect that. And I think those labels have also been maybe in different ways, but been a bit offensive, right? Yeah. And then he's got like Dragon's Napalm, which obviously um, Napalm was a horrific weapon used in in the mm. Vietnam War. Um, so so the the specific labels in question are these specifically anti-Semitic um, labels. Mm. And Bernanke Red was actually released a few years ago, and Volkler Green is is the one that came out around January February, mm. right? So the the timeline on the surface, right, on the surface mm. was that uh, people complained about these inks when they when they were released. And then it was kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. So a few days ago, I think uh, maybe three or four days ago, somebody on uh, on Reddit made another post 
And this time it got a lot of traction because a lot of people, you know, been noticing what uh, Nullers have, have been doing. And, and they've been sliding more and more into, like, the extremist part of politics, mm. right? So uh, more and more they, they saw what was happening. And this really became a huge threat with literally more than a thousand comments. Mm. And, uh, and in it, they, you know, pointed to Goulet pens because Goulet pens have been a, a strong marketer of noodlers yeah. inks for sure. So, um, so people are like, oh, I like shopping at Goulet, but I don't think I can, you know, shop at somewhere where they so like aggressively market Goulet inks. Uh, not Goulet inks, sorry, um, Noodlers inks. Um, so I think the the first mistake that happened was that uh, Rachel Goulet started responding to some of these comments on Reddit. On Reddit. Okay. So that's what I would not have done um, as a, as a, you know as a retailer because once you start responding to these comments on a social media kind of space that you don't own, you kind of lose control of the narrative, right? And then mm. um, she was like, "Oh, you know, we're we're sorry. This is not our politics. Blah blah blah. blah. We're going to talk to Nathan about this." And so a lot of people were like, oh, you're only talking about it because it's influencing your bottom line. Right. Um, because, you know, the, the, the backlash and all this. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's just, it's just a mess there. So I, you know, this, this particular next piece of information I, I received from Reddit as well. But, um, but apparently uh, Ra- Rachel, um, had updated, you know, apparently Brian Goulet spent like about three hours-ish on the phone with with Nathan Tardif and, um, you know, trying to convince him that, hey, look, what's happening is wrong. You know, you should change these ink labels. Um, it, it's anti-Semitic, blah, 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 blah. And obviously, you know, Nathan Tardif has been told this before, but, you know, coming from Goulet, it really has some kind of gravitas, right? Mm. So... So she she comes back and and she updates this on Reddit, which I think is again, um, I I don't think it's the job of Goulet Pens to go out and educate Nathan Tardif, but I especially don't think that um, it's the job of Goulet Pens to you know come back and say, oh we we've spoken to Nathan mm. and and um, and he's kind of seen the errors of his way. Well, the cynical view is that it seems to be too convenient that Goulet Pence suddenly grew a conscience when their bottom line was threatened, right? So that's exactly what a lot of people were thinking and saying. And um, I think just that social media strategy there Mm. leads to a lot of um, confusion. It it allows people to, to think whatever they want. And then a few hours later, uh, Noodlers came out with the apology that they did on their uh, Instagram, right? So, not going to read through the apology, but 
a few minutes afterwards, Goulet Pens um, came out with their statement on, on Instagram about halting Noodler's products. So I think this post is also something that I probably wouldn't have done because you're really assuming that whoever is reading this post, and they have 133k followers, right? Mm. Whoever is reading this post understands the conversation that happened on Reddit, understands the the history behind, you know, Noodlers Inc. Blah blah blah. blah. Exactly. The, the 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 statement is too short and too lacking in nuance and detail. Yes, exactly. Um, to make it sound like anything other than, as you said, it, it feels like if you don't know anything about this, it feels like, hey, Nathan's apologized. Why are you still kind of, you know, kind of, I, I guess, as you said, pushing him under the bus mm. for this. So I think unless you, you knew that, you know, Brian Goulet, you know, was, was talking to him, unless you knew that this push from Nathan Tardif was actually induced in a large part by Goulet Pens, um, this this statement looks weird. The juxtaposition, right, on you have on, on Goulet Pens, which have been this like racist themes and we don't want to carry this brand anymore until they change right. it. And, and then at the same time, like only hours apart, I'm not sure which post came first, but on, on Noodles they said that we, we apologize, we're going to make changes. Yeah. Um, so, so the Noodlers post came first on Instagram, mm. but the, the action that was taken was from Goulet Pens first. Mm. Right. So that that's the whole confusing part about this. So, I behind the scenes spoke to the Goulet Pen Company, um, or at least somebody who who works mm. there and and is um, is a leader in the company. At least um, I would consider him a leader in the company, and um, and it was in these meetings. So. Uh, I've actually, you know, I, I, I listen to, to the Goulet podcast. Uh, I respect, um, I, I, I really respect the Goulet Pen Company. I think what they've built is amazing. I think there are, um, you know, in, in contemporary times, I think there are two geniuses in the stationary uh, world. Um, one is Brian Goulet, and the other, I don't even know if I can consider them in the stationary world but the other is Kawaii-san from um, TSL but I, I really respect Brian Gulai I really respect what what they've done um, and, and I want to get to the bottom of this and uh, what they told me was that actually a lot of this conversation with Nathan Tardif has been going on for many many years right and and there was a, another problematic um, manufacturer on Goulet Pens, um, Herbert Pen Company, uh, and they they've actually removed Herbert Pen Company from from their their store now. But did they do that in a public way like this? No, they did not. So this was was handled behind closed mm. doors. But you know, for a long time, I wanted to ask, hey, you know, why do you? Um, are, first of all, are you aware that? that these makers are very problematic for your brand image and then second of all then you know why do you keep carrying them those are two very different things i mean it's one thing 
to choose not to carry a brand it can be tons of reasons for that but to make a public statement that we are no longer carrying this brand because we think they're racist themes that's taking a few steps further right yeah and and then there's also another thing of we didn't know right mm. and I, I think this was the stance that Goulet pens on on reddit initially took was hey we didn't know uh, like we felt uncomfortable with these images but we didn't know that was specifically racist um and you know i don't know how fair that is to say i didn't know but you know i i, I asked them and they said apparently this conversation with nathan tardif has been going for for many many years um and it's been escalated uh earlier in the year around january i guess because of Volkler green but now with the reddit like blow up it's irrefutable evidence right that this is this is a huge problem and i think the the financial boycott right that's obviously have to have to have a big impact um on a guy like nathan tardif who's you know all about Mm. you know independent like business freedom blah 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 um and so so i think uh i can definitely see why a company um, and, and the owners of a, of a company would want to give a longtime business partner the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that they're necessarily friends, but but if you've worked with somebody for 12 years, and let, let's be honest, right? Like Noodler's Inc. has played a large part in Goulet Pen's growth. I think it would have been you know, wrong to, or, or I don't know, right and wrong is, is, is so subjective here, but um, I wouldn't have dropped Noodler's Inc. just because um, a group of individuals, um, you know, were uh, having problems with their labels. I definitely would want to recognize that these labels are, are offensive or discriminatory but, you know, having worked with somebody for, for yeah. more than a decade, you know, I definitely understand why Goulet Pence wants to, you know, hash it out with Noodler's behind the scenes without, you know, making a public statement. And the way that they approached it isn't necessarily the way that I would have approached it, right? But I understand why they didn't, you know, just take down the brand immediately because that also sends a different kind of message. I think they're in a really difficult position. But here's what I don't understand. So Gulepan says they don't know that this was a racist trope. Noodless says in their own post, we don't, did not know that this was a racist trope. Everyone seems to buy Gulepan's they did not know, but no one seems to buy that Noodlers didn't know that this was racist. It seems to be a dual standard here. Well, if you if you look at the, the comments, I, I think the comments, um, you know, shine a different story i i don't know i don't know if any of the parties know right mm. i didn't know it was a racist mm. trope did you know it was a racist trope definitely not and the thing is i have not even seen the labels yet I, they're just dudes with horns on them yeah like devil horns i mean i don't know much about noodles at all i've never been motivated to buy any of the rings uh, it's never been particularly interesting to me but based on what little i know the guy seems to be have very strong opinions about like, monetary policy, fiscal policy, and yes, like, politics in general. I haven't seen anything in the past that, at least to me, seemed uh, 
obviously racist and maybe this is me being naive but based on that it seemed like a departure for him to to uh, release an ink with an intentionally racist theme right so so i think the baseline here is that there's plausible deniability mm. on both sides yeah. right it's possible that nathan tardif didn't know it's possible mm. that Gulay pen company didn't know specifically why it was racist they might have heard rumors mm. saying that hey nathan tardif's uh, imagery is is racist mm. but they might not have you know dug in any further than yeah. that right i think that's possible um for nathan's part that possibility was decreased because he is a you know self-proclaimed history buff right self-proclaimed very passionate about you know historical events um, a lot of his posts reference that, right? So, so I feel like that's when a lot of people said, "Hey, you said you, you know, are such a history nerd. Like, how mm. did you not know that historically this has been used against the Jewish people?" Mm. Fair enough. Um, so I think that that's probably there. Whereas, you know, I don't think I don't think Brian Goulet is particularly like a history buff. He might like history, right? But you know, he doesn't go out and research historical events to put on his his products. Mm. Yeah, I think my last word on this is that um, there there is a lot of movement um, behind the scenes, uh, even if we're not aware of it. Uh, I'd personally like to give the Goulet Pen Company the benefit of the doubt. Um, how did they handle this on social media? Uh, Let's just say I wouldn't have handled it mm. the same way. But I, I I think knowing the story from beginning to end, um, you know, I, I think they're trying their best. I think they're trying their best. Mm. Um, I don't think there's a need to, like, cancel um, Goulet pens. And, you know, for noodlers, I think, you know, I hope they improve their ink quality. That's all I have to say about that. So one last thing i want to say is like one of my one of my favorite podcasters is a guy named scott galloway he's a prof professor of marketing and i usually talk about uh, tech topics but one thing he has recently talked about on various podcasts is the importance of guardrails and what what he means by guardrails is having someone very close to you that uh, you know cares about you wishes you all the well uh, but will tell you in those uncertain terms when you are when you screw up and when you are like string off course and because you know this person wishes you well because this person is close to you you listen to that person and it prevents you from doing stupid things basically so the absence of guardrails uh, if you don't have guardrails like that then you may be tempted to think that people who who point out like flaws in what you're doing and criticize you are like hostile and and to me right, out to get yeah you. so to me what's what what this all looks like is absence of guardrails yeah and I I feel I feel really bad for for Goulet Pen Company this is if I were running a a pen company that's not where I would want to be mm. right now yeah for sure. All right, um, let's close it off with some news. <laughs> some, some lighter <laughs> topics. <laughs> um, so Sailor has, uh, as you know, 
um, for the past few years released these quote-unquote overseas exclusive inks that you can only buy um, outside of Japan mm-hmm. and for some reason in Ankora. Yes. And they've, they've recently released a series of pens, you know, inspired by these inks. Have you taken a look at them? I saw them, I think, yeah... Uh, they talked about it on the Pen Addict podcast recently too. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, the pens look nice. It reminds me a little bit of the, about the most recent. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Shiori pens. A yeah. Bit. Not quite as nice, but but still interesting. My question is, like, I have never personally, I've never been interested in the in the slim pens because, well, they are too slim, too small, uh, and they almost seem like pocket pens to me. So. Why I wonder is like is this a form factor that people want to buy that is like, the perfect size for a lot of people or is it the case that now the the large Pruger nibs the large Prugers are becoming so pricey that it's it's almost uh, too expensive for most people so this will be you know like sailor may be focusing more on the slims because they are quote unquote more affordable. I think that's a that's a really good question and. You know, I had the same question as well. First of all, one of these pens is called Nuts. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, that's nuts to me. Um, but the I I, I think um, there's a factor of both, right? Mm. For the longtime sailor collectors, the slim is probably less appealing because they're haven't been as many like uh store exclusives in slim compared to the large right right? i'm not saying that they don't exist they they do exist and there are many but i think the large is more appealing for the collectability Mm -hmm. and also because uh nobody else does a 21k nib so um i sell a lot uh and a lot of my audience is is um, is female, um, and the slim pens are much harder for me to sell compared to the full size mm. pens. That being said, I I asked some retailers in the U.S. You know, I said, "Hey, why do you guys keep releasing like?" In, in your exclusive colors, right? They, they release the slim size, the regular size, the KOP size. I'm like, guys, what's going on? And uh, I believe in the US, the slim sizes are easier for retailers to sell because of the lower um, barrier to entry on price. But then, so related to that then, so I just, uh, so a few days ago, Sailor's most recent quarterly report uh, came out. And one thing they do point out in this one, unlike the, the last annual report, is they do finally point out that um, the raw material costs are going up, uh, including, or well, they specifically called out gold, and they say that our sales are slightly up, uh, despite, they say despite uh, gold prices right. going up. So I'm starting to wonder if, if the 21k nibs are almost becoming a problem for them if they're pricing themselves out of the market because of that and maybe they should consider releasing large 14k nibs again i I don't really understand why that's not something they do i agree with you i think that's the ideal for me Mm. is if they 
introduce the 14k or reintroduce the 14k large yeah. nibs and save the 21k nibs for their very exclusive projects exactly. yeah i agree um there's some pilot news yeah so we talked a few episodes ago about this neo classic pants or some some call them most all but now all but modern call them neo classic for some reason so it's the this year's custom club uh, limited edition and as far as i know this pen is now sold out pretty much everywhere it came in translucent blue green and brown with i think only fine medium fine and medium nibs but they're still very popular and now uh, apparently pilot is going to restock these pens later this year uh, but this time they're going to offer all of the all of the custom heritage nib options you got your your <coughs> fa nib your waverly your course music all of them but also as far as i can tell this uh, you have to pre-order. I, at first, I thought this, this was just a pen to note thing, because but pen to note was the one that first announced this. Or at least I saw it on pen to note first. But now I see it on, on Nagasawa, Hachimondia, and others. They all say the same thing that you have to pre-order by May, and they're going to be delivered by by November. I think this it's 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 something new here going on that I never seen before. I hope that the success of these pens show Pilot that there is a desire for more interesting even if they just redo the same body mm. right and in, in fact in fact redo the same body right we don't want to see other bodies redo the same body but with different colors and maybe some glitter in between you know just for for mirai cat <laughs> yeah and, and white socks i have it on good authority that there will be another blue retailer exclusive custom 823 this year that would be very interesting i hope it's not t- too dark uh, but just one more thing about this release and we have said so many times on the podcast that I mean, the joke with pilot is like uh, interesting pen or interesting nib pick one right here for the first right. time in a long time you you have both an interesting pen and you get an interesting nib with it uh, i think this is this is the direction that they need to go and i hope they're very successful yes my my only concern is that you already made people buy all of these pens in like FMMB or whatever the nib sizes were originally. So how many people are going to be repeat buyers or how many people are going to be drawn to these pens specifically because they have the new nibs? Yeah, but, but I think there weren't that many available. I know that I think Bongbox only got a few and they sold out very fast. So, so people who... People who wanted to buy them from outside Japan had to go through like scalpers like JP Select. So I, th- I think yep. this is this is good news for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. All right, and uh, I guess with that, let's close it out. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? We're hoping that we're going to have an interesting interview in the next episode, but we won't say more than that for now. That's right, and um, yeah, with that. Uh, look forward to the next episode because uh, it's going to be lots of fun. Um, my name is CY. Uh, you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. My name is Jacob. I'm Fudafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudafan.com. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye.